Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Greg Schwem. And before we get to Greg, a few announcements. Our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there, you can see links to our social media. You can see links to the guest social media and their websites. Our sites are Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast on Facebook. There are links to Apple Podcast and Stitcher Radio where you can subscribe. We are also on Spotify. All this is free, by the way. And if you are listening on any of those streaming services, please give us a good rating. That boosts our presence there, which would help more people find the show. And that's always cool. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell anybody. If you want to write me, it's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Greg Schwem is a comedian that I've known for over 20 years. We started out together in Chicago way back in a time called the 90s. Yes, last century. And back then when we were doing clubs, Greg was always working on other things. We would go on commercial auditions. We would do corporate films and industrial movies and that anything to uh, pay the bills. And I remember seeing Greg studying this script once for a trade show that he was doing. And working corporate events really became his bread and butter over the years. And for the last 20 plus years, he has been traveling uh, around the country and the world as a corporate comedian, performing at conventions, events, hosting events, that kind of thing. And he does well at it. He also has a new uh, YouTube web series out called The Comedian Crashes Your Pad, and we'll have a link to it at TravelTalesPodcast.com, where he stays at Airbnbs and VRBO uh, rental properties and interviews the hosts that he stays with and finds out about their lives. So it was good to reconnect with him. I hadn't uh, seen or heard from him in quite a while. Our paths just haven't crossed. He stayed in Chicago, and I was going to interview him in person when I was there uh, performing in October. And he had an emergency come up and it couldn't, uh, couldn't happen. So we recorded this on Skype when I got back. But it was great to reconnect with him and I had fun talking to him. So please enjoy my conversation with Greg Schwem. Greg Schwem. Yes, Mike Siegel. In, uh, Lamont, Illinois. I am. Which is what? About, uh, I, let's say, let's call it 30 miles outside of Chicago. About that. Yeah. No traffic, 40 minutes to the city. That's I what I like. I can't remember. Did you grow up there? No, I grew up in Arlington Heights. So I went from the northwest suburbs to the southwest suburbs. Wow, that's a huge and, move. And, Can right, you and then, cultural change? <laughs> well, you know, believe it or not, there is a cultural change, particularly <laughs> when you discuss baseball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so in the middle, I, I did live for five years in Florida right out of college. So that's the only time I've spent outside of Chicago. Okay. Wait, did you start comedy in Florida or in Chicago? I started in Florida. I, I moved down to Florida after college and I was a uh, newspaper and then a TV news reporter and I did comedy on the side. And um, at one point I just decided I was having more fun being a comedian than being a journalist. I was getting very disillusioned with journalism. So uh, the minute though I decided to do stand-up full-time, I did move back to Chicago because I want to be based in a big city, but I knew I wasn't ready for New York or L.A. 
Right. Uh, and you and I had kind of a similar background. Cause, you know, I was a, uh, a newspaper writer in, in Chicago. Yes, I do remember that. How is it that well, journalists become comedians? How does that happen? You know what? I, I found it, as, again, as, as an extension of writing. And when I was, I was a sports writer, but I would write things and I would send it out in the universe. I had a little column. I was writing for a little tiny weekly in Elmhurst, you know. Mm-hmm. But I would write uh, my opinions and think it was funny or something. And then uh, it'd go off into the ether and you'd never get any feedback. You didn't know if anybody read it or liked it. And then right. I went on stage for the first time and I was like, well, this is immediate feedback. <laughs> I know exactly oh, what they think. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes uh, things that I write, I still dabble in journalism. I, I've written a, uh, a syndicated column for uh, uh, the syndicated arm of the Chicago Tribune for about the past seven or eight years. Uh, weekly humor column called Humor Hotel. And they basically let me write about whatever I want to. But I find myself, when I write the column, thinking, how can I translate this to the stage? So basically, in a lot of situations, I'm writing material and just it's in the form of a column, which I'm then submitting. But a lot of those ideas work their way into the stage. Also, depending on the kind of feedback I get when I post it on social media, I kind of know from then. I can gauge then if I've struck a nerve with some people. Right. I mean, the new feedback now is uh, like Twitter and right. things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess we're all always looking for uh, you know, approval. Even though we say we hate it. Yeah. <laughs> and give don't me, need it. Validation, please. <laughs> right. <laughs> so tell me about the, uh, the business you're in now. You're not just doing regular stand up. You're doing uh, you have your own. I guess it's a corporate stand up yeah. business. Yes, I do. I, I made the transition from comedy clubs to the corporate environment about. We're going on almost 20 years here. And I remember, you, I remember the last time we worked together, you, had, you were going over a script. And this was new to me. Mm-hmm. You were doing some corporate gig, and they were having you give a speech. And they yes. wanted to hit all these talking points and, and subject matter that you were doing. And I was like, wow, that seems hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You probably remember me. I was probably uh, trying to memorize a trade show script. Yes. I, I, that's what it was. And that's what kind of got me into uh, corporate comedy is that I hooked up with a company. I, I wanted a little extra income than just doing clubs. And I hooked up with this company in Chicago and they did what they call live business theater at trade shows. When you go around at trade shows and you see somebody with a headset microphone on and they're given a six to seven minute spiel about the product and everybody's sitting in chairs. And I started doing that. I started uh, being the spokesperson and I also started writing them. And I found that um, people in the audience really responded when you could every now and then sort of slip in a funny line about the product or about the event or the industry without without it being sarcastic and um little by little i started to see that there was a there was a formula here and there was a whole different genre that was opening to me and then i learned that companies had these big off-site meetings which i never knew about i didn't know that companies had three-day meetings at the ritz carlton in miami beach or something where they played golf and had a business meeting and talked about how to sell whatever it was in the coming year. And I hooked up with a corporate agent who got wind of the kind of material that I was writing. And uh, he booked me on some of these jobs. And and I remember the first one I did was down in Orlando at the Dolphin Hotel. And it was for Hewlett Packard. And all I had to do was 15 minutes. And I just remember being on stage 
And I was almost having an out-of-body experience. I was like, man, this is the nicest hotel I've ever stayed in. Right. These are coming the, from the uh, comedy condo. Right. In, exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. Rural Ohio. <laughs> right. Exactly. And these are the these are the nicest, most sorely in need of being entertained people that I've ever worked for. <laughs> and they're really enjoying what I'm saying about Hewlett Packard. And and I just. Uh, I got off stage and I think I think I could be good at this. And I slowly transitioned my whole stand up act. And and that's what I do now. So now I go around the country and really around the world. I'm going to Austria uh, for a corporate event uh, next week. And this is what I do. And it's uh, it's just something that's really in my wheelhouse. It's not in every comedian's wheelhouse, but it is in mine. And uh, I, the hours are better and the pay is good. And the obviously the accommodations are way better, as we just discussed. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I enjoy it. So do, are they still giving you a like bullet points to hit? Are there things? Is there a laundry <laughs> list of things you have to say? Uh, no, not really. I have the, the trade show. I mean, I, I don't do the trade shows anymore. That's where that came in, the script and so forth. What I do, though, I usually send out a questionnaire to my clients and I ask them just for a little bit of feedback about what's been going on with their company. Um, it's basically I want to know. I want to gauge the mood. I don't want them to write my material for me. Uh, the Internet is very good at helping me do that. I just get on their website and start looking and browsing and eventually I see things on their website that, that just sound funny or that are funny. Um, but I kind of want to know from them how things have been going. Uh, has it been a good year? Has it been a bad year? Any topics I should stay away from? Anything I shouldn't bring up? And uh, that's their way of helping me out. So, And then I take their feedback and I create a, 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 a keynote speech. Do they ask you all the time to, hey, could you make fun of the boss or uh, Joe yes. or over there? Yes. And my response to that is, I, I, it's not something I've ever been comfortable doing. I, I, I always say it's, I say you, you should make fun of the boss because I don't know the boss. I don't know him, and the audience knows that I don't know him. And for us, for a, a guy to come in, out of the cold and start making fun of somebody that he, that the audience knows he doesn't know is I don't think that works very well. Now, if I was to be riffing with the boss in the middle of the show and say, hey, so you're the CEO of this organization, so what exactly are your duties? And if he says something kind of stupid, oh, I'll go with that. That's different. Yeah. But I don't believe in uh, – um, I just don't believe in somebody from outside making fun of individuals. I will poke fun at the organization as a whole, but I, I, I don't think it's it, – it's just not comfortable for me. To, to pick on individual people. Well, I mean, in a way, this is also a lot like doing, there's a lot of similarities, A, to cruises, where you're mm -hmm. kind of, you got to keep it clean and, and stay away from controversial topics. But also, there's a little uh, similarity to colleges where you're stepping into a, into a place where maybe they're not used to comedy. And, yes. Uh, what's the weirdest <laughs> setting? You've ever had to play. I mean, I'm you're, I'm sure you're probably in a banquet room most of the time. Do they get most the, of the time the podium yeah. with the uh, the the metal pole mic that sticks out <laughs> yeah. of the podium? Or? Yeah, yeah. I, I I typically say please remove the podium. I mean, sometimes <laughs> sometimes I have no choice. I have to stay. They're like, well, the podium is cemented down, and all of other presenters are using it, so you're gonna have to use it. I'm like, okay, well, if that's what I have to do, that's what I have to do. But for the most part, I I don't like to make it look like I'm giving a speech per se. 
when you sit, when you stand behind a podium, that's the appearance you give. I like to roam the stage a little bit and make it more that I am a, uh, an actual speaker. And this is a little more off the cuff, which it is. Um, as far as some of the weirder places I've ever had to work, I think the weirdest was I, I, I did a show on a catamaran sailing around San Diego Harbor and it was basically, I mean, I don't know much about boats, but when I heard the word sailboat, I thought, well, now where the hell am I going to stand? And it turns out it was down below in whatever you call it, the galley or the, I don't know. Um, and it was like 15 software developers sitting around on couches. Meanwhile, beautiful sights of San Diego are going by above them. <laughs> 15, that's it. Yeah, 15 people. Um, I did another one at a, at a luncheon, a lunch conference room. They basically were sitting, that was for Wells Fargo, a bunch of engineers from Wells Fargo. They were sitting, eating their lunch at a U-shaped table. And I just came in and after I was the after lunch entertainment, oh. while they were their papers are spread all over the place. So, yeah, I, I don't always have the greatest table settings for these things. In spite of the fact that I tell the audience, that's one thing. You know, you go to a comedy club or you're on cruises or you're in colleges or something. Usually there's, oh, I don't know, a stage yeah. and a microphone. Sometimes I have to school the corporate audiences and say, you know, if if you want to hire somebody whose whole success depends on laughter, and response from the audience, you got to at least give me a, a chance. You got to give me a decent table setting. In other words, you can't serve dinner to 500 people. And while the wait staff is all is doing that, say, and now you're going to go on. Yeah. <laughs> so and most people. of the time they understand. Yeah. 15. Mm -hmm. That's that is intimate, man. That's like That's, sitting yeah. at a big dinner table and then you're the you're the clown at the table. Basically. Yeah, basically. Uh, that's what I was. And, but sometimes I think that when I'm in those situations, the audience uh, kind of feels sorry for me. Right. <laughs> so they so they give me some some nice sympathy laughs. <laughs> well, I know there's one guy that uh, when I think of corporate comics, there's a guy, Don McMillan. I don't know if you know him. Yes, I know Don. Uh, Don is just crushing it on that because he's like a an engineer a trained engineer and, and a computer guy yeah so he was just killing it in, in silicon valley right because he was actually in that environment and and good for him so he saw the opening there now uh so he can really talk the language of engineers yeah. and so forth and 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 that's a great hook to have i i don't have that you know unless i'm working for a bunch of journalists right, uh, right. who don't who don't have money to hire outside speakers <laughs> <laughs> or have meetings for that matter but so for me, I the persona that I try to uh, to convey to the audience is kind of the wide-eyed guy who doesn't really understand this stuff but wants to learn. I, I want to learn. So a lot of my jokes are kind of prefaced with, what is this exactly? And then uh, that's kind of where the humor comes in because a lot of times you find out these people in the audience – and you have to be very careful because you can't – there's a fine line, I think, when you do corporate events – between having fun with an audience and belittling them or mocking them. Yeah. Once you cross that line, you're dead. And that's what I think a lot of uh, comedians and, and, and not just comedians, but speakers fail to recognize. And then they come off stage and go, well, that audience sucked. Well, no, actually, they didn't. Yeah. Uh, it was probably you. And I because what it's I have like to remember a private party where um, exactly. it's their party. You know, exactly. it's, that's, there. Why, that's why hosting the Oscars sucks. Right. I mean, exactly. They, yeah. they they laugh to a point, but if you make fun of their industry or what they do, yes, uh, you're walking a fine line there. 
Yeah, that's a great that's a great comparison. And um, I I think that, uh, uh, you know, and I've had I've had I've had groups say to me, you know, we can take a joke. Don't push it, um, whether it's something that failed uh, there was a miserable flop and they know it's kind of the elephant in the room. So if the, if the speaker doesn't mention it, that's going to look strange. But at the same time, don't just keep hammering and hammering and hammering because my audience, no matter what they do, no matter if you, if, if I think it's weird or it's boring or whatever, it is their life's work. It is what they do and they're passionate about it. So who am I to come in and, and, and mock it? Uh, that's, that's not what I should be doing. I want them to, I, I basically say, and I've said this in my my demo reel, and I say this a lot. I say I, I want my audience to leave thinking this is a great place to work because they hired that guy, they hired him. Is there one moment that you can remember where you crossed the line and it just turned? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, well, <laughs> more than one actually. <laughs> I, I will say one thing, and this is where I, I mentioned earlier that I sent out a questionnaire. One of the reasons I started sending out a questionnaire is because I I basically tell my 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 clients do not give me material that only four of you are going to think is hilarious i don't want to i don't want to dwell on topics that most of the audience isn't going to understand and there was a uh, um there was a group i worked for and they they said well you should bring up the uh, you should bring up the matrix i go the what and they go just just say the matrix it's a it's a hiring system that we have and uh, everybody's like, really, you know, every, nobody really likes it, but it'll get big laughs because we all kind of roll our eyes. And I'm like, OK, so that's all I had. And I, you know, I'm writing. You know, I, I watched the movie The Matrix. I mean, I was trying anything. And the minute I and I was having a great show and about 15 minutes into it, I I just started my Matrix material. And the minute I brought it up, the minute I said that word, I, I could just hear everybody's butt cheeks just clenched together. And by that time it was too late. I mean, I'd said it and and I realized uh, this is not a topic that is open for laughter in this company. And, and I was, um, and the the show just kind of went downhill from there. And, and, and I have to say, I was a little annoyed, uh, when I got off stage because I felt like I'd been, I don't feel like I'd been set up, but I felt like the client should have maybe known better. And, and I, I, I did, Usually, you know, when I when you when you know, you know, when we have a bad show, it, it it's our fault. We need to just go back and forget about it and not sit there and be blaming everybody, because if you keep doing that, you're, you're never going to get any better as, a, as an artist. Um, and but I, I did. I think I did say something because it was kind of embarrassing in yeah, a way. He kind of sandbagged you on that one. A little bit, a little bit. And, and you know, the response I got was, well, you know, we we thought it would be funny. And that's where the whole. OK, <laughs> yeah. the the that's four why you do what you do <laughs> right. and I do what I do. <laughs> exactly. So the four of you, but this was a room of 500 people. <laughs> yeah. So, so please don't do that anymore. Right. So yeah, there've been a few of those, but for the most part, I, uh, I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years. So I, I feel like, uh, uh, my, my, my reports, my post-show reports have been pretty good. Otherwise I'd be doing something else. So in, in, instead of the bad ones, if one good one really stands out in your mind, tell us some place you went and you were going like, oh, this is a dream, dream gig. Yeah. I, uh, uh, wow. Okay. I will tell you the most satisfying show that I did. And it was just recently. And when I tell you who the organization was you're you're going to re- respond probably with half disbelief and half laughter. It was for the CIA. Whoa. Uh, yes. There you go. And, and, uh, I actually hilarious people. I, 
there you go. Not just the CIA, but the IT department of the CIA. You think oh. those people know anything about us? <laughs> I, I was I was I was afraid they knew all my jokes before I did them. Right. But they actually they 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 emailed me, which was kind of a weird email to get because you know when right. you get emailed by the CIA, usually that goes right to your spam folder. Mm-hmm. But uh, they said, you know, we have this day that where we want to get our employees out from behind their computers and just have them just go to some sessions and and have a little bit of fun because that's what they do. They sit at their computers all day long and they go, we've never hired somebody like you, but we really like your style. And uh, so I'm at CIA headquarters. The the security check was rigorous. Um, I I got in there and um, there was about, I don't know, 300 of them in a little um, little theater that they had set up where they bring in all sorts of speakers um, and these people just were the most appreciative. And they, 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 the only thing they said to me is no politics. They said it doesn't matter. And I, I still, with what's going on in the world today, I still think of this all the time. They go, it does not matter who the president is. They said, we come and we do our job to you know, keep the United States safe. That is what we do. So don't go. And I'm not a political comedian anyway, but they said, just stay away from that. But we would be more than happy to laugh about, you know, some of the trainings we go through. I made a bunch of jokes about their contracts. The, the contract that I signed was 18 pages long. <laughs> and uh, and they it was that whole thing about they just they people love to laugh at themselves and they could not have been more fun. And I think they also I could tell they were they were uh, looking at me like, why don't we do this once a week? <laughs> You know, it's like we've 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 never had a guy like this before. And uh, it was it was just the most fun and uh, uh, gratifying show that I think I've ever done. And um, and I, I think I know that the people who hired me were nervous. Mo- that's another thing. Most times when you do corporate yeah, sure. events, yeah. the people that hired you think it's a great idea. Then they start to be like, well, what happens if it doesn't work out and I have to answer to this type of thing? So and they told me afterwards, they go, we weren't sure, but. Um, so yeah, I would say that's probably, it was, it was just so cool. It was cool to be in that building. It was cool to see what they do, uh, to a point. Um, what's really interesting is, and this is weird. They don't have cell phones there. This was the most attentive audience I've ever had. And that sounds really strange. How can you work at the CIA and you don't have a cell phone? They are not allowed to have their cell phones in the building. So well, that's great. They're not looking at them during your Well, show. that's exactly right. I mean, you know, I think the main difference between doing club comedy and doing corporate events, you know, club comedy, your your biggest enemy is 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 alcohol. In corporate events, your biggest enemy is the phone. I mean, I know that doesn't say people in clubs don't look at their phones. Everybody looks at their phones well, now. Well, they make announcements and stuff, and, and so, certainly in a dark room, the light will uh, give you yeah, the way as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly, right. Yeah, you're a little more conspicuous, but I'm doing shows in the middle of the day. I'm doing yeah. shows in the morning. I'm doing shows when people are at work. They're missing calls. They are, they are. And uh, uh, to be able to have an audience that I know is only looking at me because there's really nothing else for them to do uh, was great. I mean, it used to be like that. But it's just not anymore. That's just something that that's just one of the, the, the pitfalls that goes with the job, which unfortunately, there's really nothing we can do about. I heard a musician call him blue chins once because he looked out and saw all these uh, glowing phones and people <laughs> looking down at and he called, yeah, a lot of blue chins out there. That's funny. <laughs> That's really good. So what's the, uh, what's the farthest anybody ever uh, sent you? Have you been to Asia? Have you been... 
I've not been to Asia. I have been to I have been to South America. I was in uh, Peru. Now, again, these are like that that one. A lot of companies, they have these incentive trips where if you meet your numbers and they give you this wonderful trip, uh, that was one of those. So it's mostly American companies. I did do a show for um, a, a Microsoft partner in Poznan, Poland. Wow. And surprisingly, uh, you know, all these meetings that most of these meetings are conducted in Europe uh, are conducted in English. I'm going to Vienna in, in a week and a half for another company. And yeah, that's being conducted in English too. Now it's interesting because if your 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 audience, like the one in Poland was the audience was predominantly Poles, Brits, Germans, and then a smattering of Americans in there. And they they told me ahead of time, they go, you know, if it if if you're not getting a ton of laughs, don't worry about it, which is a great thing to hear because you can only go yeah. up from there. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love these low expectation gigs. Uh, right. Set, keep that bar low. I like that. Exactly. So every so it, literally every time I got a laugh and I got I got a lot of good laughs. I, every time I got a laugh, I was thinking, ha, take that. <laughs> <laughs> you you people have no idea how good I am. Uh, so um but I, I use visuals during my show. I find that that really helps if you're with an international audience. I mean, my presentations include, uh, um, you know, PowerPoint or Keynote. I get a lot of information off the Internet, and a lot of times I'll just use screen grabs just so they know I'm not making it up. Right. <laughs> and uh, because I think and I think people in corporate America now, they're very and, and I think in general, we're very visual based now, um, well, you know, where are that that's the stimulation that we get all the time is what's on our phone, what's on our iPad, what's on our computer. We like to not just listen, we like to look at things too. Well, that's when I was that made me think of Don McMillan because he does a ton of PowerPoint and graphs and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And plus it was, you know, I used to go into these showrooms where I was speaking and I'd see these massive AV uh, system set up with these big IMAG screens and 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 I thought to myself, I go, why aren't I using these? Why aren't I taking advantage of this? I'm not paying for this. All I got to do is come in with a with a thumb drive and say, while I'm speaking, let's have this going on in the background, and uh, that's all there is to it. Well, so do you set it all up yourself. I mean, or do you bring your laptop up on there? Or? I do. I bring my laptop and I put the presentation together myself. But uh, then I I hand it to their the AV crew and I say, now you 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 figure out a way to put it on the big screens, and they do. So, okay. yeah. So a lot. So my I, I've got you know I've got text and uh, slides, and I'm using I use videos that I create, and a lot of that kind of stuff. I I just feel like if it's out there, and I don't think you know. I don't think that's stealing by any means. I just think it's taking advantage of what already exists and also what the audience wants. What's the average length of time for your show? Um, how much are you doing up there? About between 45 and 60 minutes. Okay. Um, that's, a, that's a typical keynote. And then about 20% of what I do is I will MC events. I will host events where they have me come in for – this is another thing that I'm doing in Vienna. It's a two-and-a-half-day meeting, and I'm, I'm just the guy. I'm kind of the guy that's sort of the thread that keeps the meeting together. So I'll go out at different points of the meeting and, and do, some, do some stand-up, make sure everybody's awake and energized, and then I'll, I'll introduce some of the speakers. And sometimes in the evening they might have me host an awards ceremony. Um, just something – and a lot of companies like that because that takes the pressure off of them. They don't have to hire one of their own people to do it. They're, and if, typically when they hire their own people, the, that own person is not – doesn't quite have the skills 
you know, just like I don't have the skills to be the chief marketing officer, or the chief technology officer, but they they're it's almost like they'd be better served doing what they're good at and then let me do what I'm good at. Yeah, I do a little bit of that, too. I've uh, right. hosted events for corporate. Mm-hmm. I'm doing one in uh, Vancouver in November as well. So it's place. I was just there. That's a great place. Yeah. So give me your best uh, hotel that they ever put you up at. Best hotel. Wow. Oh, yes. Uh, this was in San Juan, Puerto Rico. It was a uh, – uh, and I took my family. It was right like the first week of January, so right after the holidays. But it was this uh, – they put me in a villa. And when they gave me the tour, us the tour, uh, they said – and by the way, uh, uh, Alex Rod- – no, it, oh, it was Jennifer Lopez and Mark Anthony. She was married to him at the time. Just stayed here. So it was a, it was a villa with its own private pool that was fifty yards from the ocean, just in case you didn't walk want to walk wow. that far. So those are the kind when you have kids, you you have to say to them, okay, don't get used to this. Yeah, <laughs> this but is not want, what you want. Like. Good dad points though. That, that oh, I totally did. I t- but I felt like we should go the next week to like Jellystone Park, right? <laughs> Stay a KOA campground and just okay, kid, pitch your own, pitch your own tent. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, are they flying you first class for these or business? Uh, no, I just, I mean, some would offer, I, I, I feel guilty doing that. Um, I, for the most part, I, I don't feel like, I, I like to think I'm pretty low maintenance. I've met a lot of, I've met a lot of speakers on the corporate circuit who, you know, demand a hotel suite and they demand first class airfare and this and that. And, you know, to me, it's a pretty sweet gig, Mike. I mean, I work, you know, for for working an hour a day. Yeah, there's a lot of prep time that goes into it. But for working an hour a day, I I really don't think I need those kind of plush accommodations. I would rather they spend that money on something else. And I mean, if they want cash balance. Yeah, there you go. Right. If they, I mean, if they if they want to offer it, I'm not going to say no. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not one of these. I like to think I have very little diva in me. I usually wait until about five minutes before I go on. Then I make all my demands. That's right. No green M and M's or anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> uh, how long? Let's see. During the 2008 crash and mm-hmm. stuff, you must have felt that as well. And did you yeah. go to a place? I mean, where the the crowds must have been feeling it. And, well, I, you know. there was a couple of things. I, I don't know if you remember, but right after the – this was when President Obama was still president, and he actually made it a point to to chastise some of these companies that were having these big events. And, of oh, course, yeah. I think also, as you remember, I think it was uh, – it was uh, what was the insurance company there? I'll, it'll, I'll think of it. AIG. AIG Insurance um, came to – they came seeking bailout money from the government and then the the press found out that they had this huge event in uh dana point california where they had everything that you would expect at one of these big corporate events yeah. they had the golf the free golf and the spa treatments and all of this stuff and um uh it, it's just like the the i believe that was about the same time that the car executives from all the major car companies showed up pleading for bailout funds. And then they, they asked them how they got planes. there. Yeah. They all got there, their private planes. This is like the best, I don't know. was some congressman or Senator said, he said, couldn't you have downgraded to first class? Yeah. So it's like a great burn. Um, and when that happened, I, first thing I said to my wife was, okay, stop spending, please. Um, yeah. so yeah, I think, yes, there was definitely a lot of companies were doing a lot of layoffs. The, the one thing about these events though that you that a lot of people don't realize is is these corporate events are booked four five years in advance. You can't just call Mandalay Bay and say 
I need 500 rooms in two months. Uh, can you make that happen? I mean, these things are are booked. You know, most companies will tell you, will be able to tell you where their 2024 convention is, and if the if you cancel them, uh, the 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 penalty fee. It's like early withdrawals from your IRA. It, it it's it's better to just have the event and suck it up. And so I, I it wasn't. I had very few. I think I only had like one or two where they just said we're canceling the whole conference. You could tell when you got there that they had, you know, maybe the food wasn't, you know, they didn't have the lavish buffets and maybe they didn't have the golf and so forth. And that's totally understandable. But for the most part, I, but I also found that there was another, there was kind of an uptick in my business. And a lot of companies said, we really need to laugh right now. (laughs) Right. We do, you know, we need something. I mean, I, I did a, uh, uh, I did a show for a, a telecommunications company in the middle of that, where I went on at 11 o'clock in the morning and at one o'clock in the afternoon, they laid off about 10,000 employees. I read about that. I read about that in USA Today the next day. And I, I knew I, I could sense that something was up. I could sense from the previous because I came into the ballroom and I watched some of the speeches that the executives were giving. And, and I could tell there was something there was just an there was just a feeling in the room you know, you you and I have been doing this long enough. We can we know how to read a room. We know how to read. Is this going to be a good show? Is this going to be a bad show? We don't always we don't always get it right, but we know we know. And I I just knew something was up. But they were just like just no one mentioned anything to me. They just said just go out and have some fun, and I did. And then I can't I can't to this day I wonder how many of those people in the audience went back to their desks and found their stuff in a box. Oh. And you, you know? know what? You know what fired them? The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Yeah, if the eleven o'clock speaker just shut his mouth, <laughs> my well, kids would still would still be going to college. <laughs> well, I mean, I have a friend who does audiovisual for these events, for corporate events, mm-hmm. and um, so he's probably that guy you hand your uh, your software to and tell right. him to hook it up. Right. Yep. Um, but after the crash, you know, not to get my uh, revolution hat on, but he was just saying he did one for a bank, I believe, that just got some, you know, bailed out. And still, hey, we had a rough year, and they're giving out, like, Tiffany boxes of gifts <laughs> and stuff. And he just he was just shaking his head in the back like, wow. Yeah, it's you're just, right. There's a tone deafness to it. And you realize that, uh, oh, the, the amount of money that mm-hmm. they have and and like a club level how we're always pinching pennies right and everything and just how much is just thrown out like for just food for everything exactly they have all the money all of it yes yes they do they do and uh i mean i'm fortunate to be able to get in with you know, organizations no, I, like I that but yeah, they I do mean, but uh, it, sometimes you take a I don't know some corporations. Uh, you know, do you take that check while holding your nose ever? Uh, <laughs> I mean, no. you don't have to, I mean, not naming <laughs> no. names or anything, of course. No, but. I really don't. I, I, I don't. I mean, I uh, uh, as long as I, I, I don't. As long as I gave them what they wanted, right. which was if I made these guys this their employees or their customers, if I made them laugh, and that's what they hired me to do, and if people walked away in a better mood than when they came into the ballroom, then no, I don't. Well, it's, I mean, it's not like you're walking in on ancient Rome or anything, yeah. but, right. but you can see some stuff. And like, I've worked with guys on, you know, like pretty you know, straight 
companies. And when they uh, they go off on some of these retreats, you know, that's like uh, they lose their minds. They're oh, like oh, break. absolutely right. right. The, 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 the barn door is open. And it, you know what's and really weird? It's, the bar is open, too. And you know what's really weird is sometimes the more uh, – the more straight laced it is, the more nuts they are when they get out. I mean, I have, you know, what's going on in Chicago right now. And they, I was pitched really hard for it. And at the very end, they're like, you know, we've kind of got everything set, but we're thinking of maybe using you next year. Uh, the national funeral home directors association. And, uh, they, I, I know somebody who used to, um, do catering for them, uh, in McCormick place. And he just said, he goes, these people are, crazy he goes we he goes no matter how much liquor i ordered it wasn't enough and i said i totally get it i totally get when you're when you're surrounded just by By sadness all day long uh why not uh people who've worked in uh i've done presentations for like people who work in long-term care assisted living facilities and obviously you're not going to go and make fun of the patients but again this is a very stressful very serious uh job and they just could not have been more fun when they get together. And I, again, it was another one of those really satisfying shows where you're you're up on stage and you're thinking, I am providing these people with something that they just don't get. They just don't get a chance to laugh when they go to work every day. And uh, again, very, very gratifying. Has there ever been a corporation where you've just gone, ah, have you turned it down? I'm just going, this is not <laughs> There's thing. Yeah. Uh, not yet. There is only, I'm not going to say who they are. I will just say that they're, I I would say that there are, if there's only one company that if it was ever offered to me, it's a rental car company. And it was just the way I was treated by this company as a customer. (laughs) I, 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 I couldn't do it. I could not do it. So it hasn't happened yet. If they ever come calling, I, and, and it'll be difficult, but I just, unless, unless I take the job and then just go on stage and tell them <laughs> what happened. Um, I thought about that too, but no, for the most part I have, I, I have, I mean, I have, I have standards and I have things that I believe in and I have things that I will say there was another group that once I knew what they did, I, I, I am very, um, I am very anti-gun. I, I can say that. And I did do a, uh, an, a show for a group that I thought how it was explained to me. And then once I signed the contract and got into it, I realized that, um, a good portion of the audience were, uh, were, were gun stores. And that, that was something that it it was too late at that, at that time. Um, I think looking back, I probably would have, uh, I probably would have turned that one down. Right. Is there uh, a loyalty program that you admire? We've talked about, um, uh, travel hacking and points and miles on this yeah. show before. Are you at least being a Chicago guy? Are you a, ni- a United guy? Or no, I'm an American guy. Really? I'm an American and a Southwest. Yeah, again, I United and I, I, I did a really fun show for United, but I just, I, you know, I think what it was was that my, when I first started doing a lot of travel, my, my mother-in-law of all people uh, was my travel agent. I, you don't, that's not a word you hear a lot anymore, but, <laughs> um, but, but she had really good contacts at American. And, uh, so as a result, she booked me an awful lot on American and I've just become an American person. I'll fly United. There's nobody I won't fly. Uh, Southwest is, I've started to fly a lot only because, uh, my daughter, who's going to go to off to college in Virginia, Southwest flies to there and she's going to play uh, volleyball. And my wife and I already wondered, well, uh, we got to find a really cheap way 
yeah. <laughs> to get to Virginia as often as possible. So we may have to start loading up on the Southwest points. <laughs> or you move to Virginia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know. Have you, are you one of these guys that – have you ever chased miles? Have you ever said, oh, I've got to hit 100,000? Yes. But it, it, where, how, have you, how have you accomplished that? Uh, I did a mileage run. Of, I think it was – Let's. See, I, I came up a few short one year. Uh-huh. It was so close. I was so close once a year to hitting platinum uh-huh. on American that, I mean, I'm talking like a couple hundred miles. Like by the end of the year, I think in December, I literally flew to Vegas and turned around. I stayed there for an hour and turned around and flew back. Yeah, I did that to Australia. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I did that. I did it to, uh, I, yeah. I added an extra trip once to, to see my family in Florida, you know, just to see yeah. the family. But of really, course. I didn't tell them that I needed yeah, the miles. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually, I was going to be 20,000 miles short. My wife take, it keeps track of all this stuff for me. And this was a year that my dad was sick, and I, I knew that I had to make exec platinum, that the top tier. Yeah. Even though you say there's a top tier, there's always one above you oh, that sure. you know about, of course. Um, but I was going to be about 20,000 miles short, and my wife said, you know, I, there's a really cheap fare to, to Sydney. And... Uh, I, I did, I, I flew to Australia and I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you don't, if you don't leave the airport, there's like a lot of paperwork you don't have to fill out. So I you didn't even stay for a weekend. I, no, isn't oh. that horrible? I just, I, I flew, I, I was in the Sydney airport and it's December. So it's summer over there. Beautiful. Of course. And, uh, I literally, I, Got into the one of the airline clubs and I took a shower, which is weird. Have you ever done that? You ever you ever showered in one of those airline clubs? You no, know, I see them and I haven't used yeah, them. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's just weird because you just know you're what's naked. outside. You are. You're naked in an airline lounge. I mean, yes, there's a curtain and a door, but there's people on the other side of you. You know, to me, it's worse than being in a locker room. You just <laughs> never know who might be coming in. So yeah, I, I took a shower and I ate something and then I got back on the plane like four hours later and I about cried. I'm like, oh, I just got off and I've got another, That's I got to do this. Oh, and here's the kicker. I get off the plane in Chicago and I get a text from my wife and she goes, I miscalculated. <laughs> <laughs> you're still like 300 miles short and on airlines you know it's not like they round up the curve oh, you know yeah. okay well we'll give it to you they don't and she says you're like 300 miles short however <laughs> there's a i've already booked you on a round trip flight to nashville so i had to i had to come back to chicago after being on a plane like 27 hours oh. with all these but only a shower for a break, and I had to go to another gate and fly to Nashville and turn around. Was this like the last week of December or something? Or it was, it was like, January? It was like Why didn't second week before Christmas? It was yeah, it was okay. mid December. So yeah, that was probably the worst. But I've I've done Hawaii and back. I've done I did six trips to L.A. One year I went like L.A. Chicago L.A. Spent the night Chicago L.A. Chicago. And what's really weird is sometimes you get the same flight crew. Yeah, and they look like, yo, back again, huh? Yeah, look at you like, uh, did you forget to get off? <laughs> Were you in the bathroom and we like emptied the plane? But a lot of them know that because they said they, I talked to a flight attendant. She goes, oh, we see a lot of people like you towards the end of the year. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, do you, I uh, always wonder about this uh, now that, I mean, I'm seeing it that mileage programs, I mean, mileage and points and, uh, you know, these programs got me around the world for the last 20 years, but yeah. they're really getting harder and harder to use. They're getting, oh, yeah. uh, they're really cutting back. 
now you with the status, it benefits you. You know, you get more bonus points than everybody else. But the little man is, I think they're on to this uh, travel hacking and they're really cutting back <laughs> on it. Yeah, that's true. And the miles I, are getting harder to use, I find, and more I'll, expensive I'll, to use. Yes, yes. I mean, I don't, I mean, yeah, I, I think harder to, I think harder to accrue. If yeah, you don't fly, if, yeah, if you don't fly internationally, you know, hitting 100,000 miles domestically is tough, unless you never want to be home to see your family. Exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm gold for life on American, and um, the gold status really gives me nothing. Right. And maybe <laughs> I, they, they don't give me a middle seat, which is nice, and then <laughs> that I don't have nice. to pay for my first bag. But other yeah, than right. that, I mean, I never get upgraded anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, yeah, I used to get upgraded all the time. I don't miss it that much. I mean, it was not something that I expected. It, obviously, it's nice when you have it. Uh, but I, I never, I, the only thing that I missed, I think, was maybe having a, uh, something to eat or something to pass the time. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, I can get an exit row seat. And, and I've just learned different ways to, um, to while away the hours. I mean, I do, a, it's really the only place I ever get a chance to read. Uh, the internet on planes is, I want to say it's getting better, but I can't say that yet. But when yeah. it does, but when it does work, it's great. Cause well, the now, time really goes by. Now I'm catching up on movies that I haven't seen. Well, there you go. That's that too. <laughs> that too. So between the reading and, I mean, the cruises were really catch up on books. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, um, where do you see this business going as you get older, as your kids get older? Are you going to be traveling more? What, um, I think so. Yeah. Every day? I, I think so. I, uh, um, you know, I, I, I would, I hope so. I mean, we talked about cruise ships and I, I'd like to get back on, uh, I've started working a few cruises just to see hopefully place parts of the country or the world that I've never seen. I got to see Alaska for the first time in May, which is nice. And, um, I, I, I think, I think I'm still in a very good, uh, age at a very good age to continue doing, uh, corporate events because most of the people in my audience, it, it's, it's rare that you get the just started at the company, 23, 24 year olds. Most people who go to corporate events are in their forties and their fifties. No, I mean, I mean a lot of group. I mean, yes. Is, yeah. They, they had, to, had to earn that trip. It's the upper level executives or mid to upper level executives who've had to earn the chance to, uh, to go to these events. So, uh, yeah, I do feel, and most of the people when I look out, they're people like uh, myself. They're family people. They have kids. They can relate to material about uh, about kids and 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 leaving your wife to go on a business trip or your husband or your partner or whoever. And uh, those are the kind of things that I uh, that I talk about uh, when I'm when I'm not talking about the company itself. I may have to have kids just for the material. There you go. Exactly. It's <laughs> worth at least a good ten minutes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and they're really cheap. They're yeah, really... exactly. <laughs> uh, well, give me your, uh, let me see, let's say worst flight experience. Worst? Any, like, I don't know, scary turbulence or did they lose your bags or something? Yeah, you know, I, I well, I never, I never really had scary turbulence. My, my wife's had that. She, she trumps me on that one as far as the, having the engine, having the engine stop working right after they took off and having to turn around and fly with, you know, land with one less engine. I, I've never had anything like that. Uh, I did have an airline that lost my, my carry on bag. You know how, you know how when you, the the gate, the, the, the gate check bags, you know, where you put them, you go down oh, to yeah, the yeah, yeah. jet bridge, you put and they put them under the plane. Again, how do you lose that one? <laughs> so, I, and even they couldn't explain explain oh. that. Um, I, I feel like I have been pretty 
fortunate, like, and, and it also fortunate as to when I wasn't flying, like I was not flying on nine 11. Um, I was not flying. I don't know if you remember, uh, a couple of years ago where they had a power outage that like messed up the whole East coast grid, uh, yeah. and every, right. Everything was grounded. Okay. That was on the East coast. I happened to be on the West coast that day. Um, I have, uh, I, I I really yeah for all the flying that I've done and I mean I'm a three million mile flyer on on American wow. uh, I don't uh, I I really the fact that I can't name a particular experience or event I uh, to me speaks I, I I think I'm both lucky and it maybe it speaks to as much as people like to bitch about the airlines um, that it speaks to the fact that they they do their best to get me where I'm going. Any uh, medical emergencies, any food poisonings, any, anything like that around the world? Uh, for, to me or on my flights? No, no, nothing. No, anything bad that's happened to me, again, has happened at home. I've never had a, a, any yeah, kind like of an issue. I was there in October. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, full disclosure, we were supposed to do this interview in person, and I uh, ended up uh, dash into the emergency room with a kidney stone uh, about an hour before we were supposed to do that. So that's why I we're doing about that. That just sounds like the most painful thing ever. Yes, it was. And well, again, until you, until you mention it to a woman, yeah, oh, sure, yes. yeah. you get no sympathy. It's the most painful and yet the least sympathetic <laughs> thing that can happen to you. The, the worst part is, is, is my wife was in there with me when it happened in the emergency room. And when the doctor comes in, he goes, okay, let me, let me tell you what you got here. And he, he pulls out a, he, he goes, here's what's inside of you. And he pulls out a Sharpie. And I looked at that I'm like, wow, no wonder it hurts so bad. <laughs> you know, <A laughs> and he, yeah, like that's that is gonna hurt when it comes out. And he goes, and he he then pulls out a piece of paper, <laughs> and he takes the cap off the sharp, and he goes, boop. Oh, it makes a dot. <laughs> he, yeah, it's a dot. He goes, he goes. Basically, it's it's about the size of a period in twelve point font. That's and and it's like I I. I didn't dare look at my wife, you know, because I'm sure being the good woman she is, she was probably biting her lip yeah. to keep from laughing like, oh, yes, yes. I can see why you're crying like a little bitch. Yes. And she is, <laughs> you know, I, I squeezed a watermelon out of my body. Twice. Uh, twice. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, anyway, yeah, that's what I'm saying about it. And, and you know, the thing is, when it, I, I did pass it, I saw it. Uh, he was right. Was, <laughs> I, I would maybe go 18 to 24 point font just right. <laughs> because I'm a guy and we exaggerate everything. <laughs> but yeah, that's about it. And then you look at it, you're like, really? This is this is what had me on my knees? Yes. <laughs> Gust of wind's going to blow this away. But your comedy mind starts working and going, hey, <laughs> some there's there's a bit in here somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to try that out this weekend. <laughs> and I wrote about it too. That, that back to what we were talking about. I wrote about it, uh, and then I thought to myself, this could go on stage. You want a weird thing? Also, I, I did get bit by a dog. That's probably the worst thing. That just happened about a month ago in San Francisco. Um, I got I got Walking bit down by. The street? Yes. Uh, not, and not a stray dog. It was just a, uh, two guys out walking their dogs. And I happened to ask directions, which is what you do in San Francisco. Cause sure. it's an incredibly confusing city, as you know. And, um, I, I, I made no eye contact with this dog. I mean, and normally I do like my wife sometimes says to me, she's like, you really need to stop, 
you know, going up to strange dogs and bending down and go, oh, you know, what a cute little Doberman Pitbull Rottweiler mix you have there. That, you know, how does he get his ears to go back like that? Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I used to do stuff like that, but I, I was just talking to the guy and all of a sudden just out of nowhere, no, no growling, no provocation, no like, whoa, I better get away from this dog. It just lunged and it just chomped onto my knee and, and then let go like, okay. I'm I'm done doing that for the day. Wow. <laughs> let's let's do something else. Yeah. It was very uh, um it was very uh, uh I mean I wasn't it, there was no blood and I, I I said to the owner I go, you know, just pay for my pants and pay for you know, I ended up having to get a tetanus shot and he was a really cool guy and he was mortified that it happened and he couldn't believe that it happened and uh you know, that was basically where it ended. And, uh, uh, but it, it, it definitely has changed the way I look at dogs on the street. Now I, now when I'm on the street, I, I, I give, put it, I give them some space. Sounds like you should stop putting bacon in your pockets. Well, there you go. That might've had something to do with it too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. we didn't, we didn't talk about the, uh, videos that you're making and you put online. Tell people yes. about that. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we've been talking about being on the road and, and how to spend your time and how to pass the time. And I got very intrigued with the home sharing market, uh, Airbnb and VRBO and people who open their houses or wherever they live to strangers. I, I thought that I, I mean, you and I can say that our business is comedy, Mike, but really our business is people. I like to think our business is people. Without people, we wouldn't be able to do what we do because we spend all day staring at and analyzing and listening to people. And I thought that people who open their houses to strangers must be very interesting individuals. I could not do that. I could not just have strangers sight unseen live with me for a night or for however. So I decided if I had some extra time on the road, I would start staying in these home share properties and I would try to find people who just sounded interesting, whether they had an interesting place to rent or they were just an interesting person. And uh, so I came up with this web series called A Comedian Crashes Your Pad. And I've probably shot about 32 episodes in 32 different cities so far. It's up on YouTube. It just got picked up by a, a, a streaming service. Um, I would like it to get picked up and by a network news organization or so forth. But when I when I go and I stay with these people, I I consider myself to be the straight man. I, I, I want to bring out their personality. So I go into their place. I film their property. I sit down for an interview with them. They tell me about their lives, why they ended up doing home share. If they have the time, we'll go out. I've gone antique shopping. I have gone uh, liquor tasting with people. I have done all sorts of stuff. And um, it really, it's, you know what I've really come away with? I've really come away knowing that people, in spite of all the, uh, what's going on in the world and so forth, I think people are basically good. They're, they're good people. And I have met so many people who just for one reason or another want to share what they have and their life with others. And uh, that's really the point of the whole uh, the whole series. And it's it's fun. I mean, I, I make it funny and I usually put some stand up in there from the the city that I was in and because I'm doing this while I'm on the road doing corporate gigs. Um, and, uh, so those are, you know, those are, uh, if you just Google or YouTube, a comedian crashes your pad, you can see what I'm talking about. And, um, uh, it's just a, re it's been a really fun and very eye-opening experience. Well, we'll put a link to it up on, uh, up on travel tales podcast, uh, along with your story. 
and, uh, along with the recording. So that'll be great. And uh, but you know, I'll also send you or I'll point you to the article that uh, I wrote on uh, on our website about my Airbnb hosting experience. <laughs> you you hosted? Oh yeah, hosted. Or you oh, you yeah. rented out. In my old place, I had an I had a spare bedroom that I thought, uh, you know, as a world traveler, I said, you know, I've I've stayed in Airbnbs around the world, and I'm going to pay it pay it forward a little bit and uh, open up my home, and uh, <laughs> it worked out well once, and then it didn't. So I'll leave it there, and I'll send there you. you the go. Link. I can't wait to read that because I'm sure everybody's got horror stories, oh, and uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, that's why I said I couldn't do it. I can stay with anybody. Yeah, me I feel too. I have stayed with anybody, but I just couldn't let somebody stay in my place. I guess I just uh, I I like my stuff. Not yeah. that I think anybody's gonna steal my stuff, but yeah, I, I I just I don't know. There's just you something like no- where you put it. And I yeah, mean, still it's it's in you know it's intrusive. I mean, yes. so you got to be pretty pretty open, open yeah. minded for it. But exactly. if you also have the problem if you're shooting. And, you know, I've known and shooting stuff on the road and you think, uh, oh, we'll just talk to regular people. Well, some people are into it and some people, believe it or not, don't want to be on camera. And how do you do you weed them out? Do you pre-screen them? I do. And I, I'm very clear that if you if if I stay with you, this is what I need at the bare minimum. I need a tour of your place and I need to sit down on camera interview with you. Anything else you want to do, that's up to you. And I've had people just do the bare minimum. Um, but then I've had people who, for one reason or another, they want to hang out and they want to show me what's so great about their town or their city or so forth. And those are the best people. Or they have an interesting occupation. I just stay with an artist in Denver who just couldn't wait to show me uh, the art that he was creating. And um, uh, so, yeah, but but they 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 need to know ahead of time and you know like airbnb have this has this pre approve like the minute i said i mentioned your property you can hit a button and say okay you can stay with me and i've had people do that and i i emailed them back and said please read the questions on my profile please read everything before you just hit accept and some people after they done they go oh well, i didn't realize uh, i was going to be a part of your uh, you know your your little, your, your little sitcom that you're doing there so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's good to vet people. Well, you said it's picked up by a streaming service. What is that? This is e360tv.com, e360tv.com. And they're a streaming service that uh, does uh, um, a lot of just entertainment and just uh, kind of offbeat places. And uh, they are also are very big into uh, uh, segments on the burgeoning cannabis industry. Wow. So um, they, but they like, they said we like your stuff. We like the rawness of it. We like the uh, because I shoot and edit all the ed- all the episodes myself, and um, they just really seem to enjoy the concept. So I'm putting some stuff together for them, and that should be up by uh, certain episodes by the end of the year. Do you shoot this on your phone, or are you bringing equipment with you? Uh, my phone and a handy cam, and I just got the iPhone 11, so it's becoming more and more my phone, uh, just because the quality is so much better. So, and it's all self taught. And I, I learned to use an editing program and I might not be the best editor, but I know how to. And again, this comes from our background in journalism. I think we you and I know how to tell a story. Yeah. And that to me is just as important. Uh, if you can tell a story with a thread through it that makes sense, uh, that to me is just as important as as being a good editor, even though most editors who hear this will probably <laughs> will probably have, take offense to that. But I mean, you understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Is there a is there a dream destination you've always wanted to go to? Well, I would love to get out of the airport in Australia. That's for sure. 
yeah, next time I, when you're doing a run. Yeah, you know, yeah maybe. The weekend of it at least. Yeah, exactly. So I, I would like to do that. I would like to uh, – I – yeah, let me think where I've never, I've never been to Asia. Well, that's not true. I have been to Japan. I just didn't, I, that was purely for pleasure and only for about three days. Oh, uh, I would like to go back there and spend a little more time, uh, there. I'd like to go to some of the places in Eastern Europe that are getting very hot right now, like Prague and Bucharest and so forth. But, um, you know, just, I, there's really no place I think I would say no to if I was offered just because I think, you know, no matter how difficult it might be to get there or how rugged the accommodations are, I think that's the great thing about travel is you you come back and you just feel like you're a more uh, worldly person and that you learn something. Even if it might not have been the best experience you had, you learn something and you learn about other people, too. And I think that's what makes what you and I do uh, so fascinating. That's great, man. Well, Greg, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you contacted me, or I contacted you. I don't remember who contacted who. Yeah, it's a mutual thing, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry we didn't get the chance to meet while I was in Chicago. But um, this has been good, man. I'm I'm glad you could do this. Yes, and I am too. And who knows? Maybe we might. Uh, you and I might uh, work together on a cruise or something sometime. Yeah. Or I, I no doubt. Ads are going to cross again. I'm seeing some of the uh, old uh, guys that we used to open for. Um, oh yes, <laughs> I see the names like uh, you know Tim Walco's out there, John oh. Caponera's out there, Greg Clett, uh, Fred Clett is out Fred, there. And, that's been out there for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Lenny Schmidt I know does a lot of uh, cruises, so there's a lot of Chicago guys out there. Right, right. Yeah. Well, how can you not laugh at a Chicago guy? Come on, we're funny. <laughs> we are. Uh, well, give us your website too, and and uh, get your plugs in. Yeah. So it's gregschwem.com. And of course, you'd have to spell that. So I'll spell it. It's Greg, S-C-H-W-E-M.com. And most of that stuff you'll find on there is kind of my corporate stuff, um, because that's primarily what I do. And then, of course, I gave you my uh, the YouTube.com slash a comedian crashes your pad. And that's where you can find all of my uh, and there's a link to that on my website as well. That's great. And finally, when is Northwestern ever going to be good in football again? <laughs> Oh come on! They were they've been good up until this year. So <laughs> this is this is that rebuilding year, that one that you know okay. <laughs> where you say, okay, the brakes aren't going our way. Yes, I'm a proud uh, alum and a season ticket holder, and yes, it has been brutal this year. But I will say one thing: if you the last four or five six years or so, if you really wanted to see exciting football, and I mean exciting finishes, crazy, you're not going to believe that just happened. Finishes Northwestern. Northwestern. <laughs> Would deliver, you know, <laughs> usually in our favor, too. So I've seen some pretty amazing games. So, right. yeah, come back. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot, Greg. It was, it was great talking to you. My pleasure. All right. Good luck to you, Mike. Thanks, Greg. Taking care of business. We've been taking care of business.